Welcome to the Beach Grove United Methodist Church Podcast, where you can hear our Sunday morning sermons in audio form and take them wherever you go. A reminder that if you want to watch the entire service, our services are available on our YouTube channel linked in the podcast notes. We would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast so that new sermons come into your feed as soon as they are available, and you can do this using your favorite podcasting app. We would love it if you would help to support the missions and ministries here at Beach Grove through your tithes and your offerings. A donation link is also linked in the notes below. And lastly, find us on Facebook and Instagram to follow along with all the fun things happening at Beach Grove, whether you live in Suffolk, Virginia or not. We hope you enjoyed this week's message, and please don't forget to share it with others. sermon notes as we get our time started today. If you are joining us online, as always, those sermon notes are found in the description on this video. You're welcome to pull them up now or hold off and pull them up later. And also, you are invited, if you would like to do so, to pull out a pen or a pencil uh, if you uh, want to write down some of your own notes as we go through this message. Um, But as always, before we dive into this message, let us have a moment with God. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. That through your word for us this day, we would learn more about what it means to be in relationship with you. What it means to be a part of this relationship, to listen, speak, and act. It's all in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Now tell me if this sounds familiar, all right, because we're all about to go to barbecues, well, probably most of us, but, so you have uh, this group of people gathered around, right, might be for a meal, might be some other kind of gathering, right, sometimes it might be at a retreat or something like that, and someone says, who would like to pray, right, this sounding familiar, we all experiencing spiritual trauma right now? Right? And then, now we all know what normally happens, right? Everybody stands around awkwardly waiting for someone to volunteer. Maybe somebody might raise their hand. Or you have the case of my family where you have a designated religious person who happened to have went to school for three years to get a master's in divinity and then was deemed to be a reverend and so now always prays. Luckily, In my married family, there's two of us, so we get to share the duties of being the designated religious person. And then even sometimes, I like to throw people off by saying, hey, Joanne, why don't you pray for us today? That really gets people sometimes. Why, why Why do we sometimes have difficulty praying? Why is it sometimes... We, we feel comfortable, right, praying in private, but sometimes praying in public may not necessarily be as easy. There's something about praying publicly that, that just makes us squirm. We, we think we might say the wrong words. We think we might convey the wrong idea. We think we might do something incorrectly. I hazard to guess that if these are our thoughts when we're praying publicly, maybe even on our private prayer lives, we have those sentiments as well. Am I asking for the right thing? And am I praying in the right way? Is this how I am legally allowed to talk to God? I mean, have we made prayer more complicated than it actually needs to be? 
You see, up until now in this series, we have been looking at aspects of our relationship with God, right? We have learned about what it means to love God. We have learned about what it means to rejoice in God. We have learned what it means to give thanks to God. But here we come into, as we begin to explore, what expressions of that relationship look like. Right? We can rejoice, we can give thanks, we can love. Those are tangible, practical things. In fact, all of these are practical, right? These are not doctrinal beliefs. These are not things we believe. These are actions based off of what we believe. And so if we are going to come into this week and we are going to look at another idea, another characteristic, another mark of what it means to be Methodist, we're starting to get towards the end. It seems obvious that prayer would take a central role. Right? When we talk about practical application of faith, we talk about what it means to be in relationship with God and to therefore be in relationship with God's creation. And so what does Wesley tell us? Wesley tells us, he says, for indeed a Methodist prays without ceasing. It is given him always to pray and not to faint. And so our fourth mark of a Methodist is a Methodist prays constantly. Now, I thought asking people to pray would make people squirm. But when I say pray constantly, I saw a couple of you shudder. Well, here we go. We got Wesley again speaking in absolutes. There's nothing more uncomfortable for us than when someone says we have to do something and we have to do it all the time. Right. We got really uncomfortable last week when we talked about that a Methodist always gives thanks. In all ways, in all places, we give thanks. Now I'm telling you that you must be praying constantly. Now, I would advise you not to pray with your eyes closed constantly. I think the Suffolk Police Department would frown upon that, as well as some of the other drivers on the road. So let's learn to pray with our eyes closed. I mean, our eyes open sometimes, all right? No, but what does it mean to pray without ceasing? Right? If only Wesley had just said, the mark of a good Methodist is to make a good casserole. I think we'd be solid. Because, gosh, we make good casseroles. We have great food. But no matter how many good casseroles John Wesley ate from the people in the colonies, he continues to say that Methodists should pray constantly. He centers on a spiritual discipline, not just, and not just any spiritual discipline. You see, Wesley could have honed in and focused and said, you need to be in spiritual disciplines. You need to be doing all of these things constantly. But the one that Wesley hones in and focuses on is prayer. Why? Because prayer is an expression of relationship. To say we are called to pray without ceasing, it's, it's going to make us uncomfortable, but only because we have we have so tunnel vision this idea of prayer. Not all, we're in a day and age where not all of us believe that prayer is just talking to God. Most of us would say that prayer is listening to God. But even in that, what does that mean for us? And so when we look at prayer, we look at what it means to fully surrender to God. And to fully surrender to God means that we are constantly in an attitude of prayer. Constantly looking for opportunities to live into and express our relationship with God. And so what does it mean to pray constantly? And so Harper, Steve Harper, again, he tells us that prayer is the disposition of our heart toward God. Prayer is that holy ground conviction made on the foundation of our heart's desire to be in communion to God, with God. And so now you're like, okay, cool, pastor, what does that mean? 
prayer is the nature in which we have this understanding, this tendency of leaning on God. Right, it exists and rests in where we have been this entire time. And we continue to create and understand new ideals when it comes to what our relationship with God looks like. And it is all resting on God's all eternal presence in our lives, right? We love God because God loves us. <laughs> we rejoice in God because God loves us. We give thanks to God because God loves us. We pray to God because God loves us. And ultimately, because we love God in return. Right? Wesley says that this is true prayer, the lifting up the heart to God. A full surrender that we offer to God. And so when we treat prayer like it's this, this one-way street, like all I need to accomplish in prayer is telling God everything that is wrong with my life or everything that is wrong in the lives of my friends or families or even when I come to God and I think that something awesome has happened and I want to thank God. Prayer is not just that one-way street. Prayer is not even just sitting and listening to God. Prayer is not just putting yourself into a closet and allowing the empty void to be filled with something that we hope might happen. No, prayer is a state of being. Prayer is this idea and understanding that at all times and in all moments, we understand the connection that we have with God. We're not checking off a box. We're not doing something because the elders told us to. We are being in relationship with God. It's a state of being we share with God and God shares with us. And our scripture passage today invites us into this understanding. Why? Because in it, we learn how to pray. Right? Just like I told the kids, we... We have adopted these words as a centralized liturgical prayer in our society, but even more so, we have adopted this prayer, not because of the words that Jesus used, but because of how Jesus teaches us to pray. Right? It's this huge thing. The disciples, they see Jesus praying. They see this magnificent man who lives his life in this way, who does all of these things, who excuses himself up to a mountaintop, and he prays. And you have to imagine that there were some disciples right there next to him like, man, he prayed some great prayers. He uses big theological words, and he talks to God like he is this great and reverent spirit. And you know what happens when they say, hey, Jesus, can you show us how to pray like you do or like John taught his disciples? And what does Jesus give them? Boy, I can't think of a more simplistic prayer in our lives than the Lord's Prayer. But you know what? It gets the job done. That's not a mark on the Lord's Prayer. That's to say, boy, howdy, Jesus comes up with good prayers that we can understand, that we know what they mean, and that we can live into. And as we look at the Lord's Prayer, we see what the basics of prayer are, and we learn not just about what we can say, but we learn how we pray. Because what does Jesus say? Jesus says, pray in this way. And when we look at it and when we break it down, we see different elements that make up our lives of prayer. 
right? We see that prayer involves addressing God, praising God, petitions to God, repentance and forgiveness, and then acknowledging the comfort that God offers in our lives, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be, our, hallowed be your name, right? We are addressing and praising God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are petitioning God to make us vessels of God's work here in the world. And then give us this day our daily bread. Again, another petition. Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And then acknowledging God's comfort. As we continue to look at these words, as you pray them, on a weekly, on a daily basis, we think about what it is Jesus is trying to teach his disciples. Jesus is trying to teach his disciples that prayer is more than just talking to God. Why? Because in prayer, we express the relationship that we have with God. We treat God like God. Like that agape understanding, with that unconditional love that we talked about in the first week. And so we should feel comfortable talking to God, letting God know exactly how we feel, letting God know exactly what we need, letting God know exactly how we hope to live our lives, letting God know exactly how we interpret what God is trying to tell us. Prayer is what moves us into a relationship with God, and it is through prayer that we continue to learn and grow in who God calls us to be. And so as Jesus continues on, right, Jesus doesn't just give them the prayer, right? And if we contrast this version of the Lord's Prayer against the one that's in Matthew, one thing that is similar in both of them, one, the prayer in Luke is shorter. But another thing is that Jesus explains himself. Jesus gives two different ideas of explanation to the Lord's Prayer, right? In the first one, he talks about forgiveness. Not in the first one. I'm, I'm speaking how it's laid out in Scripture. But the one in Matthew is, is where we get an idea and an understanding around forgiveness. This one, we learn a deeply embedded ideal of prayer. What it means to pray and what it means to fully surrender in an act of prayer. Why? Because Jesus, after he finishes teaching the disciples this prayer, he says... So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who receives and everyone who, everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Right? What is Jesus promising in this passage? In these last two verses that we're looking at in Luke today. What is Jesus promising? Is Jesus promising that God is going to magically do everything and anything for us? All we have to do is ask? Or is Jesus telling us that in prayer is this relational understanding of God that helps us along in our lives as we go? Because if we cannot admit to God what is going on in our lives, then how are we ever going to be able to admit it or live into it as an ideal in our Christian community, in our secular communities, in our communities all around the world? It is a promise that in all of our petitions, God is there. Something that we can never forget. 
When we ask, God will work with us to find the answer. When we knock, God will help to open the door to ensure that we know that God is there. And when we are searching for reasons, whether they be known or unknown, God shows up and walks along the path with us. Because you know what? We can do none of these things by ourselves. And if we think that we can do this thing called life by ourselves, then we're fooling ourselves. We're trying to lift our own egos above God. Because friend, I don't, friends, I don't know about you, but in any and every point in my life, and really, like, honestly, it's hard to speak about this because I'm an extrovert, but in any and every time, I have always always, always needed company along this journey. And I'm not just talking about other human beings. I'm talking about God. Why? Because I know at the base of my faith is this relationship with the one who created me. And you want to know the cool thing about that relationship? Our creator doesn't forget about us. Our creator doesn't just dump us off here on earth to be beaten, to be bruised, to be harassed, to be judged. No, our creator sees and knows how broken our world is and says, hey, how about some company on the journey? How about I help you? How about I lift you up? How about I give you more than just my presence, but how about I put around you the presence of a community that will also be my presence as you go into the world? And this is what living a life of unceasing prayer looks like and means to us. It means that we find a way to live into this ideal and understanding. It is not that I am constantly over and over and over again as I'm going about my life just praying the Lord's Prayer on repeat. But it means that in any and all moments, not only am I finding ways to talk to God, but I'm finding ways to know and understand what God is calling me to. And it's in God's vision and plan for each and every one of us that as we continue to live into this idea and understanding, that we continue to express our relationship with God by being the people that God calls us to be. I'd often say that prayer is threefold. We are called to talk. We are called to listen. We are called to act. It means that we find a way to live into each and every one of these. Right? We must talk to God. Why? Because the foundation of any friendship, the foundation of any relationship is communication. It's the first thing I teach in any premarital counseling session. Literally, how well do you two communicate with one another? Why? Because communication is key. We must talk to God. Address God. Send petitions. Praise. Worship. Ask God what God's plan for our life is, right? I mean, it it seems silly, but if I never ask what's going on, then how am I ever going to actually know? And then here comes the tough one, because we want it to be that great booming voice. We want a bush to catch on fire, but not actually be consumed by by the flames. We want that still small voice while we're on the mountaintop, but we need to listen to God. We need to listen to God, and we need to find ways to listen to God. Whether it's listening to God in your prayer time, whether it's listening to God by reading scripture, whether it's listening to God by studying with one another, whether it is listening to God by knowing and understanding how you fit into a community, we need to listen. And lastly, we must act. Why? 
Because prayer is nothing if we are not called to action. Because what is God trying to do in this world but bring God's kingdom here? And if we don't think that we are a part of that, and if we don't think that we play a role in that, then we have been misguided. Pray, listen, act. Talk to God, listen to God, live out God's call. When we look at what a life, a prayerful life truly is, the words of our prayers, they're, they're going to look different than the Lord's Prayer. I can't, I can't give you the right words. What I can say is that if you're looking for words, just use the words that are on your heart. Right? I teach youth, and they get so flabbergasted and confused when you ask them to pray. They have no idea. They say, what kind of words do I use? And I say, just pray what's on your heart. And inevitably, they, they think that to mean, yo, God, what's up? <laughs> to which they pause for a second to make sure that, again, that's legal dialogue for God. To which I say, do you, brother. It's about the relationship. Can you talk to God like you are in a relationship with God? Can you express to God the feelings that are on your heart? Can you sit and truly listen to what God is telling you? Can you go and do the work that God is calling you to do? One of my most favorite John Wesley quotes. He was on his deathbed, and one of his last words that he said is, The best of all, God is with us. Friends, that's prayer. That's prayer. Praying in an unceasing manner means that God is with us. And whether we're talking to God or the person who just break checked us on 664, God hears us. It's not me telling you don't get mad at people. It's me telling you that when we talk about our relationship with God, when we talk about what it means to pray, when we talk about what it means to pray without ceasing, it means that we know that there is always, no matter what, someone that we can go to, someone that we can talk to, and someone that will talk to us. And right now, if you're having a problem hearing God, I'm here for you. Because sometimes it's difficult. And if you're having problems talking to God, I'm also here. But friends, as we depart our time today, it is on us to figure out, to consider what that, that spiritual discipline of prayer looks like. What does that connection with God look like in your life? Amen.